You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 97 called Strategies for Bringing Gamification into the Classroom. In this episode, we're talking about everything gamification, including what it is, the reasons to use it, and some of our favorite ed tech tools that support it. This is sure to be a Got Tech classic episode and, of course, another that you don't want to miss. Check it out. back with episode 97 we're just creeping up on that next big milestone i'm looking forward to that episode we're starting to plan that out now hopefully get a couple guests on here see what happens for episode 100 hopefully everyone out there is able to check in with us and check out that episode it's going to be one that's pretty special to us because you know that what they say you're not a real podcast until you get to episode 100 i totally think that's false but you know what we're that close uh maybe i'll start believing it it depends a lot on how often you do them like 100 i don't know how it sounds impressive to me for the way we do this i know there's podcasts out there up in like the thousands but usually those people are pushing out at least an episode a week some usually more to get up to those kind of numbers 100 is pretty good for doing one episode every Every two weeks you got to be doing it for a while to get there yeah i mean reflect back to why we started you were in your master's courses i was in my doctorate courses and we kind of had a project that we could collaborate on that our teachers allowed us to collaborate on and just go create this thing that is now 97 episodes long so it's pretty I mean, it's been, what, three and a half years, almost four years, pushing four years. So yep. I'm pretty excited to get to 100. I mean, I think it's an incredible feat. And we have not missed one episode. We've published every other Monday through four kids, through three house moves. Right. Yeah. <laughs> through a pandemic. Yeah, there's just so many things that have happened, and it's it's crazy. So we don't know exactly what episode 100 is going to be but you can expect a slight change up in the format hopefully some guests uh, maybe bring back a little bit of competition amongst those guests who know any literally anything can happen we're just in the kind of initial talking stages but it is whatever it is it's pretty cool that it's uh, that it's coming up and for this episode i'm pretty excited because we're we're talking about some of our favorite topics some of our favorite got tech topics beyond just you know the ed tech world we'll get more into that in a, in a second once we sort of break down what uh, what we're really going to be talking about today first thing i'd like to talk about is i've been looking for some conferences that i could do on my own time or pd i should say that i could do on my own time this year one of my personal goals not only professionally but my personal personal goals is to you know look at my reflection practices and and see how i can make a better me so after searching a little bit, uh, I came across teachonomy.com, which is ran by Chuck Poole, who's a who's an educator from New Jersey. You can go onto Twitter and follow him at C Pool P-O-O-L-E 27. So C Pool 27. And teachonomy.com has a free version, also has a paid version. And what it is is a bunch of on-demand learning sessions, teaching tips. What I really like about it is it has 
a community feature, which is going to help us thrive throughout the whole entire school year. So it has a built-in PLN or a built-in PLC into the platform. So you can post things that you know that other teachers and you have in common, and you could basically learn how to reflect a little bit better on some personal uh, levels and some professional levels. So I, I really enjoyed this one. I'd strongly suggest go over to teachonomy.com and check it out. Yeah, and if you are sort of in this reflection mindset like we've been talking about, another cool uh, resource is called the New EdTech Classroom. It's a pretty well-known well known thing out there in the educational world. If you haven't heard of it, you're gonna wanna check it out. Uh, in particular, they have, they have an academy. So this is a thing that you can sign up for and it offers sort of some unique ways that you can learn and, and build your, your knowledge of, of education and educational technology. If you do that, just some of the stuff you're gonna get would be like, you know, qu- coursework, really. So you're, you're signing up to have access to this, uh, this really super engaging coursework. I know as part of it, they run monthly sort of question and answer calls. So things that you're wondering, as you go through their courses, you get a chance to actually like ask about it and check in Part of this is going to be webinars, industry experts that are sort of bringing bringing what they know and bringing their expertise to these uh, these sessions and these courses. It's run by two people, uh, Sam Carey and Tom Gibson, uh, both on Twitter. One of them, I believe, Sam at New Ed Tech Class, and then Tom Gibson at Gibson E D U. And they are actually also our most recent partner with um, our other website, our other company called myedtechbundle.com, which we mentioned a few episodes back. If you sign up for the new EdTech Classroom Academy, one of the many perks that you get is, uh, I believe, 10 free trial subscriptions via myedtechbundle.com. So you can head to our website, myedtechbundle.com, and with a code that new EdTech Classroom Academy provides you, you can really pick 10 out of our 20-something now tools that you want to try. And if you didn't hear the episode where we kind of explained my EdTech bundle, it's really just a a resource with as many tools as we can partner with. We're up to like 20-something tools now, and you can try the premium subscriptions for these tools through our website. Um, It's just, you know, the idea being that sometimes the, you know, the pro versions that you get at the beginning of signing up for something where we can try it for like a month for free. That month isn't always enough to really learn it, to really use it. So with us, you can you can buy premium subscriptions for much longer for really, really super cheap. And you know our, our partnership with these academies means you can get even more tools uh, completely free, just part of signing up. So that's all I think really exciting. And those are two really great ways to you know be reflecting on some of, some of your practice. Well, this is just fresh off the press right now. I mean, We're going to probably record this later and edit it back to the front half of the show. So you're probably going to listen to this in the front half of the show, but we actually did it later. Uh, A good friend, a good podcast friend, um, Charity Dodd from Link, the Learning Innovation Catalyst, just sent me an email announcing their Linkstream Fall 2021 conference for leaders and educators. The theme is accelerating student achievement and the agenda designed by the Lynx team of experts is designed to meet the most urgent needs of leaders and educators with the streams focused on leadership, transformation, instruction, equity, and wellness. Linkstream has sessions for everyone and is free and open to educators everywhere. So I would definitely go check out th- their entire agenda and I'll put links 
in our show notes and check out some of the amazing lineup of keynote speakers. Remember to save the date, November 3rd and 4th, and register to join them. And like I said, I'll put this in the show notes. Yeah, that's a, a Charity Dad's a great follow on Twitter and um, you know, a great friend of the show as well. So we're happy to share that and it fits awesome with uh, our theme of the beginning of this episode. So that's pretty cool. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at we got Tech. And with that, I think it's probably time to get into the meat of the episode, which is like I teased a little bit ago on one of our favorite topics. We're talking gamification today. Back maybe early on in the podcast, we used to visit gamification a lot. I think years ago, it was sort of a, a really exciting time in that it was the popularity of gamifying your classroom was really expanding. It was growing and there were, there were new tools all the time. And today we kind of take a look at it again to sort of redefine it, see where gamification has gone in terms of the ed tech tools that are available, and then talk about some strategies, some things that we are, are doing with it and recommend doing with it. Yeah. When we talk about gamification, we had some, it's such a, a broad topic, but we had some I don't know, like aspects of gamification that were improved upon during the pandemic, but we had some that kind of took a back seat because they were more hands-on and we weren't able to do that type of instruction before. So we're going to take a look at both of them. I hope it doesn't go away. I'm just going to throw this out there to teachers right now. During the pandemic teaching, remote teaching, and hybrid teaching, we did a great job as teachers to explore other practices, other teaching practices out there that go away from the traditional lecture or go away from the traditional cookie cutter activities. And uh, I'm fearing that right now that we're going back closer to normal in some areas that we're also going back to our, we're reverting back to what I refer to as comfortable teaching, which is our old practices. And I, I really hope that we hold on to some of the new practices that we've developed over the last year and a half, two years. I don't know. That's just my plea out there. You don't need to use it every single day, but keep it as part of the mix. Keep it as part of your repertoire and build upon that. And I think it's just going to make education in a better place. Yeah. I mean, there's I don't know if there's anything that gets a classroom full of students more engaged than playing a game. And there's just so many ways you can do it, especially with the technology. And, and let's maybe use this time to, to back up and, and define this because... You know, gamification, it's its more than just, hey guys, today we're playing a game as a class. There's a very specific definition behind it. So let's, let's maybe begin and just start at the bottom of this for anybody who doesn't know. Um, that's what it's about. It's taking your classroom environment and regular activities and literally transforming them into a game. So that's gamifying the classroom, but when you conform your class into a game, it's it's not like the whole thing turns into a Super Nintendo. You just bring these elements into the classroom. There's gamification elements. And a lot of these we're going to go over today. Some of these include point systems, leaderboards, uh, setting up competitions in the classroom. we got to be careful in that because some classes really don't like to be competitive. So we got to kind of define those parameters as we go. You can incorporate badges, incentives, certificates, stickers, those types of things. Also part of game elements are narratives and simulations. 
We could have puzzles, real world experiences, and they could be content creators because that's part of the real world experience. And lastly, you, there are ways that you can bring your whole classroom into a game setting without changing much. And we'll get into that a little bit more in the episode. But these game elephants are super important with gamification because game elements are the things that are attractive to people who play games. That's the reason why they keep coming back and playing games. Is it the strategy? Is it the competition? Is it the failure versus success rate? So these are the things that we need to look at. And other reasons why gamification in the classroom makes sense is because gamification makes learning fun and interactive. There's that sense of addiction to learning because there's added bonuses to learning. It gives learners the opportunity to see real world applications. Gamification enhances the learning experience and it offers an avenue for feedback. So these are some of the reasons why. Yeah, I mean, if you if you are following that list, those are like so many things that really are the backbone of great teaching. Uh, one especially that people don't think about uh, that often is feedback. So a lot of the ed tech tools where you can play games or like you clarified, bring game elements into the class, they do the feedback automatically. So, you know, if you're just grading uh, and your students write an essay or a story and you grade that, of course you're providing feedback, but it takes a, a considerable amount of effort. With a lot of these gamification elements, you're getting really good quality feedback too. Uh, but without much effort on your part at all, which is which is really nice. And one of the reasons that we always sort of push for using EdTech for stuff like this. So uh, with that, maybe I'll, I'll start off and talk about some of the strategies. We'll kick it off with the first one. Um, notice here, we're not literally saying, you know, in class today, we are playing a game, right? That could be gamification, but it can be just as simple as, you know, having some type of a point system for whatever you want to set it up for in your class. You might even call that a leaderboard. So this could be for classroom management. If you've got some struggles there, you could assign points or whatever you want to call them. It doesn't have to be points, but assign something that students can accumulate for doing good things, doing things that you want to encourage. Brings a lot of positive reinforcement. You know, that's obviously the best way to kind of shape your classroom uh, behavior the way you want it to be. Um, so that type of a thing can be really valuable. You can connect this to learning, right? If you want them to earn points for, you know, completing assignments or working through a certain problem set or really anything you want, the possibilities are endless here. Um, you want to make sure if you're doing this that your students have access to it so they can keep track of how many points they have or what they've earned. Uh, if you're doing this digitally, that could just be as simple as a, a Google Sheet, right? A spreadsheet. And if it's on Google, then you can share it. If you've got a class website, even you could embed that Google Sheet on your website. And that's, you know, we've done this before uh, for games to keep track of students, sort of uh, the points that they've earned throughout the game. But it doesn't have to be within a game. This can just be a classroom wide thing that happens throughout the year. And they know they can go back and check that Google Sheet. Yeah, I think that's a great segue into one of the websites that we always come back to. And we haven't really talked about it probably in 70 episodes. Uh, but flippity.net is amazing for gamification. I'm going to share a couple of the different tools that they have on there, but it's all from uh, using a Google Sheet. 
you just go to Flippity and then it's going to show you how to create different things within gamification. You could do Flippity flashcards. Uh, you could, there's a quiz show in there. It kind of looks like Jeopardy um, with uh, point values and things like that. There's a random name picker. So that, that incorporates fairness into the game. There's a Flippity randomizer, which is a set of four wheels that you could customize. I like this for like a writing challenge. You could give them the character name. You could give them what random event. Uh, you could give them a location and a time period. And then they have to do something with that. And I, I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, there's flippity scavenger hunts. There's board games, manipulatives, matching games. Uh, there's even a badge tracker on there. There's timelines, bingo, uh, leaderboards. The leaderboards are cool because what you do is uh, it makes the leaderboard look something other than a Google Sheet. And that you can embed into uh, your website. Uh, but it says it creates a mobile-friendly leaderboard. So I'm wondering if there's a, a way to get that on the phone to make it look good on, on cell phones. So there's tons of stuff on here. There's uh, tournament brackets. So if you want to set up like a March Madness type pool, I, I think of scientists because I've done this before, uh, where every student is given a scientist. And basically they have to come up with the most... Uh, unique fact or the reason why they're the best scientists and they have to argue that that case you could do that with the tournament bracket and they also have certificates and and other games along with the ones that I already made or mentioned so uh, definitely check out flippity.net I really love the user or the leaderboard there so that is one that goes along with what Nick said with points and leaderboards. Yeah, I was happy to see Flippity make it back here uh, to our show because it has been a while and they've got so many neat things that, I mean, it fits in with this whole idea of a point system or a leaderboard system perfectly. If you've never gone to flippity.net, it's, uh, it's one you have to check out. Which sort of leads us to the next thing, and this is what most people think of when you say gamification. Um, it, it is, of course, an option within the gamification realm, and that is just bringing in competition in any way you can. Um, you know, some of the typical ed tech tools that we're going to use to do that are things like uh, Blukit, pronounced Blukit, not Blukit. Um, Blukit is like sort of, if you know Kahoot is maybe the more common one, at least it is around us. Similar to that, only expanded times 100 because the games are way more fun and the students can, you know, gather experience points and trade and steal coins from each other, whatever they're earning in each game. There's just a ton of variety and it's really, really great. And you'll see similar things with other tools like quizzes, Gimkit, you know, Kahoot always deserves to be mentioned because it's just a, a classic tool. Uh, Quizlet as well is, is really popular. I notice students using Quizlet all the time to help train themselves and you can use it to bring in competition elements as well. Uh, Bamboozle is another sort of less commonly known one. In any of these these games you play, maybe just using a, you know, like a slides presentation, Jeopardy, who wants to be a millionaire, weakest link, uh, matching games that you can all play via um, slides, really, like in, in Google, slides if certain elements are clickable then you can 
you know, navigate the game just by clicking within the slide and it takes you to different slides that have questions and answers and you can kind of work through it that way. Um, so there's just so many ways you can do that. I do want to caution people, competition is great, but you have to be aware that, you know, students aren't always into it. You may have a few kids in there who maybe aren't motivated by the competition and maybe they're actually turned off by it too. So you want to think of some accommodations for them. Yeah, I agree with, with you, Nick, on that one. Uh, competition isn't for everyone. But most of the time, that competition piece is because children or students feel unsafe. So a lot of these games now have the ability for people to play individually and anonymously, but the teacher may know who it is. So in that case, you could still play the game and it could still be competitive, but students don't need to know how other students scored, which makes it a safe space. So you might be able to get away with it that way, or you could just say, hey, you're just going to do this, you're gonna turn in your score to me, and I'm gonna do something with those scores. It's not gonna be for a grade, but there is you know, some type of incentive or some type of, of reward or something like that. Um, or maybe you make it even larger and you have a competition between classes rather than individual competition. All their points added up gets them their score and you compare that to a different class. Yeah, just think, I, I like how you pointed out, like a, a safer version of it. Um, when I started teaching, so I think, maybe not my first year, but first, second, third year, I did a thing that I found online and I thought it, I thought it was great. I, I like when there's classroom competitions. I think it's super fun. Um, this was, it was called like a chemical naming race. I found it online, I was like, oh, so cool. The whole idea is it lists a bunch of chemical formulas and they're in groups of like five. So here's five formulas in set one, set two is another five, set three is another five, and maybe there's 10 sets. And the kids are in groups. I think I did teams of three. They have to complete a set, so name all five formulas. When they've got all five, they have to come up to me. They have like a, a runner who brings their, their set to me and shows me. Um, I approve it, so I'll say, yep, you got them correct, you can move on to set two. Or I'll say, there are two mistakes in this set. And I just send them back just with that. And it's, it's a race, so they're literally competing against each other. And the, you know, I, I used to do it, the first person to complete all the sets correctly, the first group, would get three bonus points. Second place, two bonus points. Third place, one bonus point. Everybody else just gets nothing. You just have the benefit of practicing. And it was weird, it went really well for like three years. But then for some reason, as time goes on, the, the kids really started to hate doing this, this race. They, they didn't like it, it was way too stressful. They felt like the only people that were getting any benefit were the ones in the lead, right, who were gonna get the bonus points. Not totally true, because the whole point, of course, is to practice naming formulas, but they were just so focused on these bonus points and the last time I did it was f like five years ago. It was just a complete disaster. Yeah, I always find the, the people that earn the bonus points because of that are probably the ones that don't need the bonus points. You ever find that? Yep, that was the whole problem. Like they get, you know, the kids that, that won and got the bonus points were the kids that were really good at naming formulas and didn't even need to play the racing game to begin with. Um, it just ended up being a, a bad model. 
and I, I've modified it slightly, but I, I think I've just scrapped the whole thing. The point being, you really kind of have to watch how you do things to make sure that there's actually a learning benefit for all your students. And if there's not, then that's maybe not the best activity and you have to think about a way to change it up. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of bonus points, uh, just in general, uh, for tests or anything like that, because I feel like that doesn't measure what they know, especially when it's a team competition. Uh, you know, usually there's a leader or two that steps up in each group. Uh, what I would do in that situation, I think, is I would turn that into a, like a station rotation, but every set of you know, every time they come up, their runner comes up and they get the correct answers, you give them a piece to a puzzle. And somehow that puzzle is associated with content. And, you know, at the end of the class period, whoever solves the puzzle gets a point towards an overall classroom game, which we'll kind of talk about here in a little bit. But let's let's keep going here. Maybe it earns them a badge, which is our next one. Uh, badges, you could easily do these. Uh, think about all the professional developments out there of particular learning tools where you can earn a badge saying that you're a level one Google uh, educator, level two Google educator, or a moat ambassador, or uh, you know, pick a tool that has it and they give you a badge. For a lot of people, they love collecting them because it shows that they're active in education and that they're continually advancing their craft. So students like this as well. So we picked out two EdTech tools. There are so many. We could probably list four or five here if we really want. But the two that we picked out is uh, Visme. Uh, Visme allows you to easily collect uh, graphics. Think of Visme, I'll name another one, Canva for education that goes with it. Uh, those two allow you to easily make a badge. So think of Pick one of your chapters or units or however you group your content information and think of the five or six major content headings or, or standards that you have to accomplish in that and make a badge for each one and have them work towards mastery and give them a badge once they have it. And, you know, maybe you make little stickers. You can make them very simply make little uh, little stickers, you hand the stickers out to your students, and they can, you know, decorate whatever they want with these, uh, these stickers or these badges. Let's see, another area is Badge Creator, and I put a link in the show notes, but you could go there and make these icons and these very simple badges, and you can copy and paste those and download those as well. And next up, we've got kind of similar to badges, um, what we've called incentives or certificates, kind of the same idea of, of a badge, and that is for certain achievements or mastering certain content or meeting certain objectives, whatever you want. You can assign student instead of like a digital badge, you can build in other some other kind of uh, a physical incentive, maybe like a certificate type of a thing. Um, technology, of course, can really help you out a lot to cr create those, whatever they're going um, to be. A great place or two great places to start. Uh, one of them we mentioned already, it's called Canva. Or, uh, you know, as a teacher, you can get the, a pretty nice free version called Canva for Education, where you can use a lot of their pro features uh, for free just because you are a teacher. And similar to that is called Crello, C-R-E-L-L-O. 
these two tools are really almost the same thing. We're, we're Canva fans and we've been using it for many years now to do a lot of the social media stuff and artwork, graphic design for our podcast and business and everything else. And uh, I don't know which of these two tools came first, but Krellos is doing all pretty much the same things. Uh, when you go to either one of these, they have really great templates for creating logos or infographics or posters. It seems like Canva might have a little bit more geared specifically towards education, um, but it, with Crello, you'll find a lot of the same stuff. So if you want a nice fancy looking certificate, or uh, I was even thinking a lot of their, you know, what they call logos that you might use if you were starting a, a business and developing a logo for yourself, those things would make really cool badges or really cool additions to uh, a certificate that you are putting together to hand out for certain achievements in class. So either one of those is, is a great spot and it'll take you a little bit beyond just like the typical, I know we used to get certificates a lot and it was just whatever, you know, in the old days, whatever Microsoft Word had as like their certificate template. It was fine, but it was pretty bland. And um, with these, you can just make something that looks way, way nicer. So I would check out both of those for both uh, certificates or any other kind of incentive that you're printing off. Yeah, so those are two great sites for creating certificates, and that's more of your wheelhouse than it is my wheelhouse. Same thing with badges, so I'll be hitting you up next week to help me out with some of those, because I do have some ideas. Next up, we have my favorite gamification, uh, I guess, aspect of gamification, and that's narratives and simulations, because you can fit so much into this one. Uh, I like tools like Book Creator, Storyboard That, Slides Mania, and Descript, and I'll go over these a little bit, but narrative can be found in anything, and it's going to overlap with some of our other categories, but narrative, think of when I start any type of lesson, I try to make a real-world experience, and I try to bring that out some interesting story or hook or article or whatever and I created a narrative around that and then I have students work with that narrative to show me that they understand content that we're trying to push out there and then simulations you, you could think of tools like FET uh, P-H-E-T which allows students to do interactive manipulatives online and run through these simulations so you also have these tools that I just mentioned, Book Creator, Storyboard That, and Slides Mania, which gives you a platform to make a narrative or to work with a narrative through creating a book, creating a comic, uh, creating a presentation that further explores that narrative and allows you to get organized to explore a narrative. So we have all these tools. Descript is a little bit different. Uh, Descript is an audio video editor that includes transcription, a screen recorder, publishing, full multi-track editing, and some AI tools. I threw this one in here because you can easily have your students or you can make a narrative and record it in a video and push it out. So right now, what comes to my head with narratives and gamification, I think where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? There's always a narrative at the beginning of where Carmen is or what Carmen is doing. And that narrative causes students within that game to perform an action. So I think it would be pretty cool 
if you got community members to give you a narrative, you other teachers, it only needs to be 30 seconds, one minute long. But with the script, one thing I really like is video editing is tough. It's challenging. But with Descript, what it does is it does a translation of the video. So anything that is spoken. And if I do a whole bunch of ums, or if I mess up, I could just go to the transcript and hit delete of that uh, transcript. And it will also delete the video as well. And it looks pretty good, pretty good. So I put this in here just because I thought it was an awesome tool. And I, I thought it could help with narratives and taking a lot of time off of teachers, but also kind of giving it a neat aspect because it's not the teacher doing every narrative. Maybe you have a teacher from down the hall. Maybe you have the principal doing a narrative. Or I like community members that everyone knows. Everyone knows the bagel guy from down the road. And you know what? He's a nice guy. I know the bagel guy. So I'm going to go to him and ask him to, hey, can you read this or something? Can you kind of like improv this scenario for me? See if he could do it. I think it would be kind of cool. Yeah, what a, this uh, Descript is a really great tool. There's a, even a free version, which is crazy for all that stuff. Uh, but with the free version, you get, uh, it looks like three hours of this transcription you were just describing, which is a lot because if you're making videos for students, I mean, obviously they should be very short anyway. So you can get a, a lot of traction just with that. Um, f f that, you know, part of that free plan is full audio, full video editing, unlimited screen recordings, um, just really, really great stuff. And even if you did like it and want to pay the monthly fee, it's uh, surprisingly cheap. So I, mean, I wish there was an automatic um editor three years ago when we started the podcast because we both said um like every other word. And I spent a lot of time editing out ums like manually. So that's uh, both exciting and upsetting to hear that that exists. Yeah, so narrative simulations, love narrative. I teach based on narrative. So that's really good. The next one is content-based puzzles. Uh, two years ago or two and a half years ago when we did our first gamification episode, I was really big into digital and physical escape rooms. And we haven't really done much of this since the pandemic. And this is something I'm going to get back into because students, the collaboration, the excitement around it, uh, I have not come up with another activity that matched that excitement. So I am definitely going to get back into this. I listed another website that I just found that I, I like to use for some of my digital puzzles. And that website is IamAPuzzle.com. And basically, is it's exactly what it sounds like. It's different ways to make digital puzzles that students can manipulate. And you can kind of bring content into those puzzles, whether it's some type of a you know puzzle that they have to put together and once they put that puzzle together the puzzle makes a word problem and then they have to solve that something along those lines it's a it's a gamification piece that's going to make the typical boring word problem a little bit more interesting maybe yep super fun and and like you said i think i'm excited now that uh the world is slowly normalizing and hopefully going to stay that way to get back into some of these escape room challenges uh, we've also got real-world experiences, sort of like the lesser-known uh, aspect of gamification, but it sort of fits in based on that, that real-world aspect of it. Two of our favorite ways to set this up 
are called Skype a Scientist in Data Nuggets. Skype a Scientist does exactly that. It helps gets you get to get you in touch with you know real world scientists who can come in and talk to really any group of students about their area of expertise. I'm always shocked at how much the students respond. Um, you know, we see it at the high school level, but I'm, I'm positive this goes for any grade level. They love seeing a fresh face in there and people talking about real things and even better, and hopefully the whole reason you're doing it is that it relates to your content and stuff you're teaching. It's, it's just extremely valuable. And I have kids coming back after my chemistry speakers years down the road that say that's one of the things they remember. Even if they don't understand exactly what the, what the person is talking about, it's just, it, it tends to be very valuable. And then Data Nuggets is kind of like a, a repository or, or a database, I guess, where you can have access to raw data, uh, data that you probably would not be able to gather yourself in a, you know, like a, a school-based lab setting, either because it takes too long or it'd be too expensive. You can just have access to the raw data from Data Nuggets to help teach your students how to deal with it. This could be, you know, math skills, graphing skills, scientific analysis skills, writing, if you want to bring in like claims evidence and reasoning writing styles, using the data. I mean, there's there's endless ways to tie it in and also endless ways to sort of link in some game elements to that as well. So like I said, those are some of our two favorite ways to bring in real world experience. Yeah, both of those are, are great ways of bringing in real world experiences into the classroom. PBL is another way that you can bring real world experience. And once again, in that PBL problem-based learning or project-based learning, you're gonna have some type of a narrative in there. So that's another space where narrative will fit in is these uh, real world experiences. So let's get into our next one, which is content creation. Uh, we have several different examples of content creation. I'll go over a couple of these very quickly. Uh, the first one, we're gonna bring back one of our favorites from uh, Stephanie Howe, which is at Miss Howe 24. Uh, on Twitter, and that's her film festival, and I believe someone shared it with her, uh, but I don't know who that was, so I'm just going to give the credit to Stephanie right now, and if you go to her website, I'm sure she gives credit to whoever shared it with her, but that's the great thing about education. We're learning from each other and with each other to make all of our educational practices better, uh, and that is a film festival. So if we think of a film festival, students have one class period to make a one-minute film. So what goes into this minute film? It's a certain amount of prep, uh, like a storyboard. You can use storyboard that or Google Doc or Google Sheet or Google Slide, whatever you want to organize your story or your narrative. And then after that, you film it. When you're done filming it, you edit it, and all this happens in like eight minute blocks. So it's eight minutes to prep, eight minutes to film, eight minutes to edit, and then you have eight minutes to get it ready for publication. So once you do that, that's 32 minutes. The rest of the classroom, you take turns presenting your films. And you have a film watching party, and hopefully you have some way of um, gamifying that into a competition or um, just uh, kind of just a film festival in itself. You pick out what each film gets an award for. 
Uh, and then you can make that certificate or they could get a badge for their award. So there you go. We're mixing multi these multiple uh, different pieces of gamification into one. I'll throw two others in there that are similar to that. I thought of sort of like a Comic-Con style event. Uh, I've never been to a Comic-Con myself, but um, I know they're pretty popular and they seem to be a pretty fun thing. And you might be able to mimic that in your class if you are having students design comic strips. And I know Comic-Con is not only about comic strips, they are bringing everything these days, movies, TV, and everything else. But just to sort of link it all together, you can use one of, one of many tools out there to design a comic strip like Storyboard That, and then sort of have a, a, an event where these are shared and discussed and talked about, and ho hopefully all centered around you know, the, the, whatever you're studying, whatever the content is that these comics are, are about. Gamification elements could come in from assigning not prizes necessarily, but uh, as many different honorable mentions as you can so that everybody kind of walks away with uh, some nice thing that was, you know, that they did well or, or that was sort of highlighted in their comic. And then a, a similar thing if you're having your kids do podcasts. Uh, we've talked a lot about content creation, and of course, student generated podcasts are a big part of that. If your students are recording and publishing podcast episodes they should probably be shared amongst the other people in the class so you could do that in the form of a podcast listening party where everybody kind of listens in make it fun turn the lights down get comfortable change the atmosphere of your classroom to sort of fit what you're doing and then of course you discuss and maybe assign similar things like honorable mentions or or prizes for doing you know the best version of this or the best version of that and I think both of those could be sort of like a, a different spin on the the film festival. Yeah, I, I love both of those. And Comic-Con, if you could pick the time of the year when that happens, I, I don't know when it is. I'm guessing spring. Uh, maybe it's summer. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, I'm guessing spring, though. Mm -hmm. uh, if you could pick a time for that that kind of corresponds with the time that it actually happens, I think that would be really cool, especially if you got kids to dress up. I think it would be awesome. That, I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say that that could be a part of it. Like, I know that's a part of the real Comic-Con. So, yeah, everybody comes in dressed up. As, I don't know how you work it in, but that could be cool. So, I have two others. One is a photography contest, which is pretty easy to run. You get students to go out take photos. They provide a name for that photo. They provide you with the photo file. You take those files and names, put them onto a Google site. And then you have the whole student body vote. And we've done this a couple of times here at Hopewell. And it's gone over really, really well. Uh, and my next one is have students write a kid's book. All right. So it, it depends what age you are. But if you just want them to get into content creation and you want to teach them the real world process of doing it, surprisingly, it is not that hard. And I'm talking a kid's book. So if you use Canva and you get some basic stock photos. You don't need to pay anything, give anybody any credit for those. You use those as your pictures and you come up with a storyboard of what's on each page and you write a kid's book. You can easily get that published on Amazon where they'll actually print it for you and also do the Kindle version for you. And you can go through that process and it's just a great learning process. It's, it's great to know those real-world scales. So if you have some type of creative curriculum or creative classroom, kind of like what we do with World Ready Technology, 
But if you have your own passion project type of project, this might be something really cool to send out, uh, provide your students that and have them be authors. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people know that's a, a thing, but Amazon will do this for you. It's called uh, Direct to Kindle Publishing. It's really, really neat. Definitely check it out. And it could be great to sort of bring in uh, the best part of content creation, which is, of course, that what the students are doing is real. It doesn't just die at the end of that day or that year. It kind of lives on. And, and the book, you know, creating a book can do that, too. We've also got some, we just call this gamification for like uh, the big picture classroom. So things that cover all the students, maybe over even a long period of time, sort of an extended thing. Um, An old one that we are revisiting here is called Class Craft. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you might remember this from like way back at the beginning. Uh, Class Craft is a really cool ed tech tool that does, you know, basically it's a point accumulator to help you know, encourage certain types of uh, classroom behavior or whatever you want, really. But I think that was how they started, at least as like a classroom management tool. But uh, as students gather points for various things, they build out a character. So essentially, you could sort of align this to experience points in, in various video games where you know, the more experience points a character has, they gain skills and, and grow and sort of change. Uh, and Classcraft kind of tries to mimic that video game feel where you're, you know, advancing levels or, or navigating around a map. And you sort of, as the teacher, you get to design what happens at these different stages and how many points they get for doing certain things. It's a really cool way to tie in a lot of the stuff we're talking about. And you can run this the whole year and it just becomes part of your classroom is you know, the kids know that they can do stuff to build out their Classcraft character. So that's that's one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, one thing with Classcraft is you can, there's these in-game battles, and it's based on your class strength. It's not the individual strength, it's class strength. And your whole class can take on, you know, some type of a villain or creature at the end of a unit, and you could set the score where you want it to be, the goal score for the whole class. And if they accomplish it, they see this battle and they, they get hyped up, whether they, they're winning or losing or whatever it may be, but it's just another safe space. The other thing, so class, class, class craft, your whole class is submerged in this experience. You can make one on your own. Uh, you can make an amazing race that lasts the whole year. Maybe one activity counts towards that amazing race the whole year. You could also do Survivor. I have done this uh, where, you know, I, I hand out idols. We have voting. you got to get creative because you can't vote anybody off. If you vote anybody off, uh, you got to be creative of how they get back into the game. All right, so that, that's definitely something there that you have to think about. But it's something that students still watch. I'm guilty because I watch it too. I am Amazing Race and Survivor, you know, fanatic I, I love both of those uh the next one i was thinking was the apprentice challenge and i i saw a teacher do this where they do one pbl project-based or problem-based learning activity each unit so this uh, teacher has six units and each one they get a different set of partners and basically they hire one or two groups and they fire everyone else and all that it does is give points in this apprentice game. They get a grade, 
oftentimes they're all good grades, but there's one that just sticks out the top and there's certain points that go and then at the end of the year you celebrate maybe the three top point getters out of the classroom with some type of recognition. Maybe it's a certificate, maybe it's a badge, maybe maybe it's a trophy, who knows? Maybe it's a trophy that they make. I think that would be pretty cool. Uh, the last one is the Class Olympics, and that kind of goes the same way. The theme is just a little different with Class Olympics. Uh, we have one more to go, and this is all about video, and we made video a separate category, even though it fits into so many uh, of the gamification elements, such as narrative simulations, uh, real-world experiences in some cases and some others and we have three different activities under video yeah so you know specifically in this video field even though there's some overlap like you just pointed out um, sort of if you're doing skits right that's super fun uh, maybe make it a Saturday Night Live style skit try to be a little bit goofy and funny record that obviously you can use as simple as whatever cell phones the students have if they're really not allowed to use them in class, hopefully there's some type of a Chromebook available with that built-in webcam and you can record straight to their Chromebook as well. Uh, but that can be a really fun way if you ask them to theme it and, and make it about a certain thing. Uh, a newscast, kind of the same thing. Set them up with a, all you need is a desk, right? And then you put on a little newscast where you are running the news about a certain maybe historical event or something that's happened related to science and they have to give like the newscasters version of this scientific event or principle and then you know one of my favorites is is the psa public service announcement uh, this always really connects to kids especially if you let them pick a cause that they are interested in that's that's very popular with students today and it's sort of getting to choose something they're passionate about and then figuring out a way to share that with the world and I'll add that any of these could be sort of built into uh, some of the things we talked about before, like that film festival, uh, or even any of these could be in the form of a podcast if you don't want to do the video version. So I, I think it's cool with this these last few ideas that there is just kind of like so much so much overlap going on there. So that's going to wrap up this episode on gamification. Uh, do a couple things for us. Uh, go over to gottech.com, check out our website, uh, subscribe to all the podcast players, and most importantly, tell a friend. Uh, help us grow, help the PLN grow. Uh, we're all in this together. Uh, reach out to us at Twitter. Nick is at Nick Got Tech. I'm at Geist Got Tech, and our podcast is at We Got Tech. Uh, we'd love to hear about different ways that you're using gamification in your classroom, and we'd like to keep the conversation with gamification going. Uh, we love learning more. Uh, I'm very interested in some of the games that you're applying in the gamification elements that you're applying in your classroom. Until next time, go out and try some games. Gamify your classroom.
Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at GeistGotTech and at NickGotTech on Twitter or on Instagram at NickGotTech. Finally, remember to check out our website, GotTech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.